Above the Rim Show, episode 18. Brought to you by your honorable host, Justin, aka Just Blaze. And I got my man Devin here from According to Sources <laughs> Podcast. Dev, what's good? What's good, man? Pleasure. Pleasure, my brother. Appreciate you coming on today, my man. Absolutely. I know you ready to give the heat and the slander tonight. Oh man. <laughs> man, I got the I got the whole I got a trunk load of art ready for him, man. Oh. I'm about to let it let it go loose. Oh, talk about <laughs> it early. I got the act right. <laughs> <laughs> My man, so this is Above the Rim episode 18. You can find it on iTunes, Stitcher, Dash Radio every Tuesday. Part of the Almighty Bowler Network, Trackhouse Studios. You can find me on Twitter at JustBlaze underscore 513. Submit your questions, comments to JustinLee867 at Yahoo.com. Let me know. So as we know, we in the finals. Dev, game one and two is down. Ah, it's been interesting, man. It's been a... What do you think, Dev? It's been a terrible final so far? Or first thoughts? Uh, 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 you know what, man? It's been a... Uh, it definitely hasn't been very entertaining. I say the first the first half of game one and two, that's been more entertaining than the finals in a whole. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah, Very intense. Those are very intense halves. Yeah, yeah. Like, if we could switch halves, I'd be happy with that. But, like, the second half, and I... Even though I'm a huge LeBron fan, you got to give credit where credit is due, man. The yeah. Warriors, once they go on them runs, they're like... They, they kind of remind me of the Phoenix Suns, like the Amari, Sean Marion, Steve Nash. Oh, yeah, like, Steve when they Nash. were going their runs, it was a wrap. That was like, that Dan Tony high-powered offense. Yeah, and you could, it, was, it wasn't like you were going to stop them. You just tried to have to... You just tried to contain them. Yeah. And just try to get... Just, like, try to keep up with them so your comeback wouldn't have to be so stretched out and so far in between. Yeah. Because, man, like... And I've noticed, like, I want to say last night it was about the end of the third quarter. Mm-hmm. Then they carried it over into the fourth. I mean, with eight minutes left in the fourth, the game was over. Yeah, they went on that big run, as they always do. You know the Warriors have those patented, high-powered offensive barrage of threes, transition dunks, those type of yeah. fancy pass. They always go on about two to two or three of those per game, I feel like, especially at home. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it could be four, but sometimes that's about an 18-0 run, 15-0 run. And remember, sometimes those threes, along with that crowd, it, those three sometimes feels like six points. It's deflating. Yeah, man. It's deflating. So that, Super it, deflating. Yeah, so after watching games one and two, for me, man, my word for everyone is overreaction. I think there is a major overreaction right now. Let's, but let me backtrack and say the Warriors are a great team, high-powered offense, one of the best we've ever seen so far. But I think the the narrative now is that there's no way they can be stopped. They're gonna sweep. LBJ's going out in four. Then you get then you get the truth. Paul Pierce starts start saying now that KD, Kevin Durant, is the best player in the world right now. Did you hear that, Dev? That motherfucker. Man, yeah, I was watching it as it was happening. And I wanted, I was, I was just, I almost wanted to reach through the screen and be like, Jalen, you ain't gonna say nothing, bro. So, but it's thank cool. God it was Chauncey that came out and said it. Like, Chauncey was like, oh, oh, oh. Hold on, big fella. Come on, like, come, come on, listen. Far, and and I'm ashamed, I'm upset that it's Paul Pierce that said that. You just retired this year, meaning you've seen LeBron up close and personal this year, along with KD. Now, where in his yeah. right mind, I mean, I know my problem is that people are prisoners of the moment now, are they not? They're ridiculous right now. They really are, and I think that it's... I think maybe Paul would go back later on and be like, you know what, I think I was just in the moment. But he was definitely really, he's definitely a really good player. But he's a great. not so much the greatest, not not so much in the, in a sense of like the best player in the world. You know what I'm saying? Like now KD is amazing because of the team that he's on. Exactly. That's really amplified his play, but I don't think it's made him individually Listen, this time KD is crewed up. He's crewed up that time. And when you're allowed to be crewed up, you have less responsibility on you. Right now, KD doesn't have the offensive load that LeBron has to carry. KD can simply be a scorer. 
which he's great at. So because he's allowed to just be a scorer, he's allowed to be comfortable. That mean that lets him allow that allows him to shoot 50% from the floor as he's doing, and it allows him to take a lot more gambles on the defensive end. Because think about it, his Correct. job is only to score. He gets picks set for him. He doesn't isolate as much as he normally does. So I feel like you, he's gonna look great. I mean, there's there's no pressure on him. He can just play basketball. Put LeBron around great players. I think, and you just let LeBron go. Come on, you can say the same thing. <laughs> say the same thing. But before before we transition over, I want to say what I, my also my initial reactions. I think that tell me what you think about this. I think LeBron was forcing the issue a little bit in games one and two. I feel like he was holding the ball uh, a little too much. What do you think? Man, my Twitter was just fucking exploding. <laughs> I could not stop tweeting like over and over and over again. Like, okay, I, I kind of understand what Ty Lue is trying to do. He's trying to make, you know, uh, share the load in a sense of having a primary ball carrier. Yeah. So it's not Kyrie being, the, you know, the traditional point guard, bring it up the floor, you set up the play, or because you were scoring point guard, you could take it and do an ISO all by yourself. I think what he was trying to do was split the load between LeBron and Kyrie, because Kyrie, cause LeBron can carry the ball as well. And he wanted everybody playing close to the perimeter because once they get a defensive rebound, and I'm speaking about Golden State, once they get a defensive rebound, everybody's up the floor. Oh, they're gone. They're gone. They're gone right score. away. Yeah. But it is such a detriment to his to the Cavs because once LeBron has the ball, and he he's been known to do this. Once he gets the ball, he's almost like he becomes kind of stagnant if he doesn't go yeah, right I, away early yes, in the shot so, clock. Sometimes he stifles the offense at times. There can be times. He's so great of a player that he does stifle the offense. I agree with you there. Great point. And it like, it almost messes them up because there's no ball movement. I swear, man, it was one play last night where every single one of the Cavs players were behind the three-point line. Yes. Like, I was just like, do these motherfuckers think they go to state? Like, all of y'all <laughs> can't shoot threes. Yeah. And then the, the only person who was actually moving off the ball, which was Kyle Corper, who naturally does that, because uh, he's trying to look for the open three, and who really surprised me last night, not so much with his effective play, but with his effort. And it was Amon Shumpert. Oh, thank you. And it's just like, thank you, Dad. And I was just like, what the hell is going on, man? Like, you guys can't beat them when you don't have off-ball movement. Yeah, exactly. I get it that you're trying to project a fast break. But, like, if you look at, I want to say it's, uh, it was either this year. Well, no, it was last year. It was Portland, mm-hmm. who was playing the Warriors extremely yeah. well. Yes. Extremely well, especially on the road. All they did was use off-ball movement to beat them. Yeah, of course. And I know, you, you, I know, can't, I know. you don't have any chance of beating them if you don't have off-ball movement. Exactly, exactly. So I, I don't know what Lou's game plan was. I saw Kyle Culver. He was throwing up a lot of wild threes. Jr. was wild. What's the deal with Jr. Jr. Wake up from oh, your man, slumber. Was, he was going off. He was going off the henny, bro. He was going off Straight the henny. Straight up, man. My man was drunk. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, what's I think, let me let me see this. Uh, last game, he had zero. I think he threw up a donut last game. Game two, he had a donut. First game, he had three points. Game two, zero points. He played 14 minutes last night. That, yeah, that's man. ridiculous. With a plus minus of 18, minus 18. And that's he, ridiculous. He only took two shots, and that's mostly because he kept getting into foul trouble. Yeah. And, like, as you get, and, and it wasn't just a foul trouble, but it was just, like, doing dumb shit. Yeah. Like, after a while, like, I bet you Ty was just like, oh, I can't trust him. Oh, not I at all. I can't trust dude. Not, not at all. And what was he thinking? But he, he just looked disengaged, though, like. He didn't look. He yeah, was. He man. didn't look like he read the playbook properly. I remember last episode I called for Jr. and I called for Shump. But one of my keys to the series was the Cavs' mental discipline and their hunger. And when I said mental discipline, I meant on the defensive end. As in, I brought up the point of how they let Avery Bradley get loose for that game-winning shot. I believe it was Game Three in the conference finals. Mm-hmm. Who was the two players that ran into each other? It was Jr. Shump. The two that have, they still have the stink of Nick on them. The stink of Nick is still on them. So I, they need to get it together. Their mental discipline, I know the Warriors have a complex offense. And, you know, sometimes it could get tricky going around those screens. But still, I feel like they have to get their head in the game. I don't feel like their head is in the game. And we can say the same thing about Tristan as well. Dev, what's up with Double mm-hmm. T? 
Man, I don't know, dude. It, it, that, did you see the stat last night where it said that uh, uh, that Steph out-rebounded him 10-4? to 4? Rebound. And I, don't even, I think, I want to say, Tristan's, he only had one offensive rebound. Mm-hmm. And that's his thing. Like, yeah. offensive rebounds that meet the second chance point. And yeah. he only had four of them? That was ridiculous. That total, for, through two games, he has 12 rebounds. That's ridiculous. That should be one game. Then you got Kevin Love out rebounding you. Kevin Love, I think, in the first game, yeah. he had uh, 21 rebounds, but a quiet 21, I might add. 21 rebounds. Yeah. And I think in the second one, he, I think he had seven rebounds, but he had 27. Kevin Love is, I mean, I, I've had a lot of issues with Kevin Love. A lot of issues on myself. So, by the way, Ken, do you think, Dev, that the Cavs can consistently play well, well in this series with Kevin Love giving mediocre stats? Mediocre performances from Kevin Love. If, if they, if, I, I was, me and my brother were watching the game and we said this last night. Like, I don't understand, like, Ty Lue has always had some type of, like, grievance with running a play in their low post for Kevin Love. Yeah. Because he's actually an underrated low post offensive player. And when he went to the low post last night, even with Draymond on him, either he got fouled or he scored. Yeah. He actually got Draymond Green in a foul trouble early because he was going to the low post. And they went I, to him early think, also. Yeah. I think if Ty Lue changes his playset, and I think he may have found something by doing that, I think they will be able to play consistent. And instead of it being LeBron and Kyrie like how it was, you know, post-game three last year, mm-hmm. um, I think it would be LeBron and, and Kevin Love this year because... Kyrie is still trying to find his shot. Yeah, he is. He, he's, but, he's struggling think, right I, now. I think dude went like, what he says, uh, he went 8 for 23 last night. Yeah. And a lot of those shots were just like wild, inefficient and inefficient attempts, right? Oh, yeah, very inefficient attempts. He was he was forcing the issue as well. I said it I said it about LeBron. I felt like he was forcing the issue even though he was playing well. I think Kyrie's doing the same. Also, and I think LeBron has to ease up on those isolation post-ups, man. I think sometimes... Either he does a high pick and roll. I think his plays are sometimes a little bit predictable at times. So as much as I love LBJ, much as I love LBJ, he has to ease up a little bit on, on those isolation post-ups because I don't feel like it's effective. And I think it allows Golden State's half-court defense to zone in on him, I feel like. I think they start they start ball watching, then it's easier for them to defend. Right now, the Cavs are not hitting their shots. So you can't give the Golden State Warriors defense... You know, you can't you can't give them any more chances than they need. You can't make it easy for them. That's a problem. I think mm-hmm. I think the bench as well. I don't think the bench was focused for some reason. I feel like they weren't ready to play. Did they look ready to ready to hope, Dev? From tip. <laughs> if you if you got Richard Jefferson, I think it was Richard Jefferson, D. Will, and Shannon Fry shooting yeah. two for sixteen from yeah. the field. Come on. Them, they can't be fucking focused. Oh, come on, man. You, you got beef with um, Richard Jefferson, that's right. Dude, like, I just can't take dude, man. Like, I, I thought to myself, that was not a smart, like, and that was not a smart option to try to retain him and keep him on the team. If he said he wanted to retire, cool. Let him walk. That's an open roster spot. They want him as a contract. veteran presence. They wanted a veteran presence. And you know... <laughs> I just didn't think that was smart at all. Yeah, I mean, he had about two good plays last night. The rest of them were him just trying to rough up Kevin Durant. <laughs> yeah, now, and back in the day, back in the day, like when he was still on the Nets, transitioning to other teams, he actually historically he did play well against Durant. It wasn't like he was shutting them down. Yeah, but he played well enough to try to contain him. Yeah, he was but a quality is, vet though. Back in his on, on the Nets, he was a like quality Richard vet. Jefferson, man, like this ain't the young kid no more from New Jersey. Like this. Dude needs to have a seat. Yeah, man, you do. And Deron Williams, too. He's washed up. Remember, I, I asked, we, yeah, have a, we have a little group chat going on, and I asked the fellas, is, I can't believe Deron Williams is so washed up, and everyone said he's been washed. Been washed. Yeah. He, he just had some moments yeah. where, it, you know, he looked effective, and that was going against smaller guards yeah. in the East. Smaller, smaller bench guards, I might add. In the yeah, Listen, that wasn't something that he could just write home about and be like, "Yeah, I'm playing better." Yeah, he's still running that same Utah Jazz basic crossover that he used to mm-hmm. use from 2008. He's still using that same crossover. 
He will give it up, man. Give it up. So, Deb, do you think <laughs> uh, do you think um the bench, the Cavs bench, is gonna consistently play well enough to win this series? Think they can step it up? Oh man. At home, games three and four is at home. At home, it is a different story. You know, most teams their benches play much better at home because they have the comfort. You know, a lot of bench players, it, it takes them a while to get engaged into the game, rather yeah. than people like who are like the sixth and seventh men off the bench. They they can play, they can turn it up. Like how Carver coming off the bench, you get a wide open three in the corner, it's a wrap. Yeah. More than likely, it's going down. I don't feel like but, they're running plays for Carver though. Do you, does it look like yeah, they're running I, plays? I don't for? think so either. Yeah. I don't think so either. I think a lot of these times he's just moving around. Yeah. Like I said, off ball movement, he just happens to be in the right place at the right time and lights it up. But even and, then. The Warriors are so good at rota- at rotation. Oh, they have great closeouts. They, they close can, out well. They can they can contest all of these shots that you're yes. throwing up. Yes, and all the defenders are long. They all have tall, long defenders, so they can always get a hand up at any three that you throw out. Yeah. I give it to them, man. So mm-hmm. go ahead. I, I just don't think I don't think LeBron is gonna get much rest from here on out. Yeah. So you think he has to play forty eight? Oh man, it, so it, it has to be. It definitely has to be, man. And then, especially 48, if, you know, yeah. one of these games where they got a big lead, it's gonna be where it's gonna be at least somewhere close to that. Okay, forty-five. I go with that. Yeah, <laughs> maybe maybe forty-two, forty-five, something Come like that. I don't I don't think LeBron James right now at thirty-two could play forty-eight minutes right now. I don't think he could give you that. It won't man. be the it won't be the right LeBron. Boy, if you don't get <laughs> it'll be somebody. It'll be somebody. <laughs> but, but that title, LeBron, is better than the, than the Cleveland Cavaliers' entire bench. Yeah, yeah, that's that's very true. That's very true. So, do you think it's LeBron James's fault that the Cavs bench are playing this poorly? A lot of people are putting it on the King. They're trying to say it's because of his leadership. His troops are not ready to play. What do you think about that? I think that's a bunch of. I can curse on you, show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think that's a bunch of bullshit. Like, so LeBron, like, <laughs> I, you know I love stats. I love my stats, man. I love my numbers. I am a premium user on basketballreference.com. Yes, you are. And <laughs> <laughs> yes, you are. LeBron James' numbers alone will show that he ain't like a selfish superstar. He's not like a, you know, a, um, a false god of a leader. Yeah. His he, he, he could be he could be too much of a leader at times because he's too passive with the ball instead of going straight to the basket. But yeah. I don't think that's his fault at all. No, not the at way all. The bench is performing because he even has start he even has starting players that don't know how to act with J.R. Smith. Yeah. So interesting. I don't under, I don't think it is so much in this case LeBron's fault. I think it just might be the personnel that they have. Yeah. Now, some people might try to say that I'm turning that into an a, excuse. An excuse saying yeah. that LeBron don't have help. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, his, that's not saying that he doesn't have help. His personnel just isn't as good yeah. as KD supporting cast and yeah. the bench players that come on with KD. Like, for instance, it's, it's not so much the facilitation of LeBron versus the facil- facilitation of uh, KD. When you have much better players on their end, like their bench last night, two players in double figures were Livingston and Ian Clark. Yep. Now, if you, you know, rewind, go back to last year, I want to say it was game two, Sean Livingston looked like he was going to be like the X factor of the whole series. Oh, yeah. He had yeah. an awesome game two. I think he had like 28 points yep, yep. in game two right last year. He was balling. I remember that. But... Like that that shows you like their bench is still really good. Yeah. Iguodala, David West, Sean Livingston, even Ian Clark gave them ten points but, off the But bench. also, Dev, I'm gonna throw you one here. So my my point with that is I think maybe the bench for the meaning the Cavs bench, I think the moment was just a little bit too big for them. I think they weren't ready to handle that Golden State Warriors crowd. I feel like they were a little overwhelmed from jump. If you remember game one, how game one started, remember we were all writing each other. They they were very jittery towards game one, very sloppy oh, yeah. with the game ball. Game one started. It looked like everybody was drunk. Exactly. I don't I don't know what was going on right there. That, that's what I feel like the moment was a little bit too big for the Cavs. So that's why I, I think that they will play a lot better at home. 
I think they're a lot more confident at home and I think they're gonna catch their stride again. Cause they haven't been taking the shots that they normally take. So both teams haven't been playing up to their potential. So speaking of playing, not playing up to their potential, on the Golden State Warriors side, you got Klay Thompson. Before game two, he was averaging 14 a game, shooting 38% from the floor this postseason. A terrible postseason for Klay, but he's still been playing well on defensive end. So, I want to ask you, Dev, why do you think Clay has been underperforming his playoffs? Even though he did play well in game two, he had a little bit of a bounce back game. Why do you think? So, say for instance, you play 2K? Yeah, of course. All right, so say for instance, you, you know, you have this, this Golden State Warriors team. You're in a season, you have your own, you know, my franchise mode. And is you, you're playing with Steph, Clay. Uh, Iguodala, my boy Draymond, and Bogut. <laughs> yeah. And then transition, and now you have, but like, just say for instance, you're just playing it, you're simulating on your own, you mm-hmm. go through the season, now you happen to sign KD, and you cut all these other players, and then you get Zaza at your center. Mm-hmm. Naturally, when you're playing, you're going along through the season, you play in your third or fourth, fifth game, you're going to be like, oh, shit, I forgot that I had Clay. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. And once you try to shoot, once you start shooting with Clay, you're going to be like, oh, man, I got to, you might miss the first two shots unless you're like a 2K guy. Yeah. You might miss the first two or three you gotta shots. Hit the sh- you got to hit the shots stick correctly. <laughs> exactly. They might not be those green releases because yeah. you're not used to using Clay because you've been using KD and Steph Curry nonstop, busting the opposition's ass. Yeah. It's almost exactly like that. Clay is trying to mold himself into being basically. I don't want to say the third option because he's still very good. I think he, I think he's the but fourth option. I think he's the man, fourth. Man, I'm telling you, it, it might be that as well. Like Draymond, Draymond to, gets a lot of touches a game. Think about it. KD still gets his touches. Steph still gets his touches. Draymond takes his touches, and then Clay is just there to eat whenever it's on the table. Whatever's left Man, over. we can go into another show about this. Yeah. But I have the stats to show. Mm-hmm. I got to go find it in one of my books. <laughs> but I have the stats to show why I, for consistently, for three straight years, I have said that Draymond Green is the 1A player. On the, mm. goal, the 1B player, excuse me. Steph mm-hmm. is the best. Steph was the best. And then it's 1B of Draymond. Mm-hmm. Draymond Green I believe is the reason why that whole offense clicks. He's a of course. extremely underrated passer. He can shoot the ball from mid-range. He yeah. just doesn't choose to do so. Mm-hmm. A great defensive rebounder. His defensive IQ is amazing. Of course. And then I think he got even better when KD got there because people were giving him space. Oh, a lot more space. And because if, if KD drives into the lane, you got to respect KD and try to deflect the pass. What has happened? Exactly what happened last night at the start of the game. The Cavs almost had a double-digit lead to start the game. Yeah. But then they were trying to respect the, you know, the shooting touch of Steph and KD, and they're leaving Draymond wide open. Oh, you wow. gotta go respect me. I mean, yeah. honestly, I'm, I'm letting Draymond. I'm letting. I'm letting Draymond shoot. I'm letting Draymond uh, yeah, shoot. I like to take that shot too. Any day of the week, oh, I'm letting Draymond. I'm not a believer in Draymond's jumper. He could shoot that any day of the week. Every play, <laughs> I will leave him wide open. I'm, so I'm leaving him wide open for that three. Draymond. But you see, like, that's what I, that, that's mm-hmm. my point. Like, it it messes up Clay's rhythm. Yeah, A shooter got to have a rhythm. Exactly. He got to see the ball. He has no, he has no but, rhythm. And that's why I think that, like, he's been, like, kind of funky this playoff. Yeah. Because His play has season, been very sporadic. Very sporadic. Yeah, man. Because in the season, like, there's a lot of games. Yeah. KD, and remember KD went down with that injury? He went down with that injury. And, yeah, that, you know, that allowed them. He went them, back to being yeah. that second option. They were allowed to so spread their wings. Touch. Yep. Then the playoffs came and it was just like, ooh, all right. Curry's like, all right, Kevin. Yeah. I need you back now. Clay yeah. was like, I'll just play my part. Exactly. <laughs> but um, also, I don't think that'll last for long. I don't know how long that'll last with Clay just saying, like, all right. I know. I'll be the fourth option. No. Exactly. You know, I, exactly. So I don't know if you saw, I, I'm glad you brought that up because as we know, CJ McCollum, he had a little tweet about Clay. I know you saw that on Twitter. Yeah. CJ said Clay's gonna get another ring and leave. Golden State better enjoy him now. And boy, yeah. I had to quote this tweet and I had to comment because CJ McCollum is right on the money. Right on the money from listening. Golden State Warrior fans, Dub Nation, those stands that they have, these bandwagon fans that they have, 
they need to appreciate Klay Thompson because Klay Thompson could go to another team and be a star. And I feel like when his contract is up in the next two years, I believe he's a free agent in 2019, I believe. I think Klay would, would seriously consider leaving if, if Steph and KD and Draymond are all still there. And I wouldn't blame him. If I were Klay, I would look elsewhere, to be honest. Say, for instance, you have maybe two titles at that time, maybe three. I'm out. I got my titles. I'm still going to get my money. I'm gone. You think Clay would ever leave, Dev? If, so, so he has one more year after this, right? I think it's two. Or no? I think it's, I right, think it's so, two one as a play option, if I'm not mistaken. I'll bet that he got one year left. Yeah. That's how I see it. Yeah. Because one more year in that offense and him being the defensive powerhouse that he is, uh -huh. because... If you look at it essentially this year, it's been three, maybe even four, just awesome defensive players. That was Kawhi, yeah. Draymond, Clay, and I want to throw. I can't really do that because he was injured. Like Jimmy Butler is an underrated <laughs> defender, okay. but I'm kind of mad at the Bulls right now, so I'm not going to give him the satisfaction. Death from the shot towns. <laughs> yeah, man. I fuck Jimmy. I, I ain't. Oh, but. Like, if he continues to get better, which yeah. he will, yeah. he'll continue to get his bucket, people are going to they're gonna see it. Like, GMs see that stuff. I don't think he'll be, uh, he'll go somewhere and he'll just be a shadow of himself. Well, I can't call him a shadow, like Harrison Barnes. Yeah. But at the same time, I think he'll get paid, he'll get rightfully the right amount. And God forbid it goes to a team that is building right now. Because, since for instance, the Lakers get Paul George and somehow they make it work with, with Russell Westbrook. They can essentially be just like how Boston built up yeah. uh, their big three. You, do you think Clay would entertain? Just like that. You think Clay would entertain oh, these absolutely, teams? absolutely, man, because okay. he, he, he's smart. He knows his value. Yeah. Um, Clay's a smart guy. Clay isn't... He, he isn't a... Uh, uh, an intro, he's not as introverted as Steph. Yeah. Like, if you've seen it in the past, like, when Clay gets upset... It's not as like, it's not as bolsterous, you know, extroverted as Draymond. Yeah. But you'll see his frustration. Oh like, yeah, uh, definitely. When they, when they won the championship in '15, you saw how upset he was that he got fouled out. But he was just like, after we don't win the championship anyway, who cares? <laughs> he had to, he had to suck <laughs> it up. Yep. <laughs> yeah, he went to the bench like after, like I don't care about any of this. I'm yeah, about to man. celebrate, whatever. Seriously, man. I mean, like, I, I do think, that, I do think that he is confident enough, mm -hmm. unless Steve Kerr. And upper management in Oakland can try to persuade him otherwise. It's going to be tough because he's—it's going to be tough for them to pay him, and it's going to be tough for him to pass up money yeah, from other teams. Of course, and a better opportunity. You might be able to be that number one option as you always wanted to exactly. be. Exactly. Tired of being fourth. Listen, fourth is a lot. You could sell someone on the second option, maybe the third, but fourth? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Boy, if you don't, get I don't think know, so, man. I, I, I think, I think, I do truly believe that he mm -hmm. might dip. Yeah, I, de I definitely think. So. Listen, if I'm Clay, I'm gone. I'm gone. I'm mm -hmm. gone. After this is up, I have, I've had my run and I've had my fun. He has. So, Dev, you think there should be any rotational changes that you will make on either side, Cavs or the Warriors? Let's say, let's say the Cavs right now, because the Warriors they don't need any more help. Any rot rotation changes that you would make? Uh, I got one. I think. Go ahead. I think they should give Shump more minutes. I think. Oh I man, that's exactly what I was gonna say. Yeah. <laughs> I, was exactly, I was gonna say. I was gonna say give Jr. one quarter. Yeah. The first quarter to see where he's at, to see how he is in the offense. You're so disrespectful. Um, and see how he is on dip, defensive closeouts and stuff like that. Yeah. But he's on a short that, leash. If, it, if he don't show me something, it's, it's Shump is gonna be in. Cause Shump is. I, I love to watch the replays of the game. Yeah. Like stay up late, watch it again. Yep. And I watched a lot of Shump last night, man. He was not, he was not taking. He was those playing hard though. The picks that they he, was he was playing hard. hard man. He was definitely he getting was, around screens, contesting yeah. shots, not giving up on plays. Even I like, when he thought he got fouled. Yeah. He didn't like complain to the ref. Like you see this, and then while you're saying you see this, they're shooting a three and exactly. Popping. A couple times he picked up Steph full court. A couple of times. I saw. I saw that from Shump. I, I like the energy that he was given. I lo I love his energy, and I think. I mean, he still has a little bit of the stink of Nick with him. He does make some bonehead plays from time to time, but 
I still think he deserves more minutes until I can see something from JR. And also, I, Dev, call me crazy for this, but I think Ty Lue should throw out my man Dante Jones. <laughs> oh, man. Yo, let yeah, me tell you, might, you why. I you think... might be drinking that. You might be drinking that JR. <laughs> now, bro. Listen, only for this. Only, only for this. Only for this reason. I think he could play five minutes, right? He could come in here. Knock up KD a little bit. Give him a hard foul. I don't see the Cavs right now taking hard fouls on the Warriors when they go to the basket. They're getting too many dunks. They get into the lane too easily. Dante Jones will get in there and get you two texts in five minutes. You need that. <laughs> I was going to say, you only bring him in when you want him to ask somebody up. Yeah, that's so, that, yeah, that, exactly. If that's the case, yeah, go ahead. That's what I need in five minutes. Ty Lue, give him a shot. <laughs> Give him, give my man Dante a shot. <laughs> Listen, man, he'll he'll bump up there with Draymond. He would, he would. He's a little hungry. I like uh, that. He I, definitely would. Yeah. So you think there's any adjustments that the Cavs need to make for games three and four back in Cleveland? And then we're gonna go to your predictions of what you think is gonna happen in games three and four. Any adjustments? I do think that they need to um once they get a lead, like don't don't because. The Cavs have started off very well. Yeah. Besides, besides game one where both teams were kind of jittery. Yeah. They've started off well in the sense of, like, penetrating, going to the paint, getting money down low. Like, last year, even though Bogut had, like, before he got hurt, Bogut had, like, a negative a 22 yeah. in the finals. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that came after because right before he got hurt because when the Cavs were winning. Yeah. Um, but they couldn't do anything. LeBron couldn't. And I love LeBron, but I'll knock him just like anybody else. LeBron of couldn't course. do anything at the basket. Nice. Because Bobby was down there. He's an awesome rim protector. Yeah. And but, they couldn't do anything with him, man. But, but and KD kind of has turned Zaza. into a rim protector. Yeah. He has. Good. He has. And I think that KD... Where he's so great at perimeter defending, but he's yes. so he lacks in getting back and lateral movement going to the basket. Yeah. So like he'll, if you notice, he'll actually give LeBron space because it's not so much that he doesn't respect his shot. He's like, I got to stay back because if this if buddy penetrate, I got to be able to catch him. Yeah. And go to the rim and then I can block his shot. Definitely. So mm-hmm. I think if they if they do get a lead, don't don't sit on it. Don't. Like try to be complacent and just everybody play at the perimeter. They gotta keep, keep going, the keep heat going to the basket. Yeah, they gotta get keep the heat in going. Trouble and go to the line. Exactly, they gotta keep because being aggressive. Because once was in foul trouble, that's where they were getting their points. Going to the line, LeBron going to the free throw line. People yeah. gonna cry about whether it's a foul or not a foul. Hey, that's his game. Yeah, definitely. Nobody get mad when James Harden do it. Yeah. And, and on Golden State, man, they don't need any adjustments, like, Dev. I feel like Mike Brown and Steve Kirk are staying in the locker room, man. Oh, yeah. Up. They're that good. They they have their system They're, down pat. not disrespect to Cleveland. That's it's just that good, man. I know. They, like... they really are. They really are. <laughs> but but I'm going to go play devil's advocate here, and I'm going to try to help out the Cavs, even though I had the Cavs in six. I'm not looking too good with that pick right now. But I think Ty Lue, I think he has to make sure the Cavs shore up their transition defense. I think they're getting beat in transition way too often. Every time... The Cavs take a long three. The Warriors are getting an outlet pass. Draymond is pushing up the court. Clay, is, Clay and Steph are running to equal sides. KD, as we know, is running down the middle, going straight to the lane, and the Cavs are not stopping the ball. So I think, of course, the Cavs need to show up their transition D. I think they need to slow down the pace of the game. They have to, sometimes your best defense is your offense. And what I say by, what I mean by that is getting better shots. The Cavs have to get better shots. Not that, not these tough tough threes that they're taking these isolation buckets from Kyrie Kyrie's got to step up as well and become more of a facilitator I think they got to take the to take the ball out of LeBron's hands a little bit more we love LeBron but sometimes as we said before Dev sometimes they can stagnate the offense so I think sometimes you can use I think you can use LeBron as a decoy from time to time how about you use LeBron as the role man you know what I mean? Have about a pick and roll. Yeah. Kyrie with the ball. LeBron gave him the high screen and roll. And LeBron rolling to the rim. Make him become a finisher rather I than a facilitator. They were gonna do that. Yeah. I thought they were going to do that in game two. Like more so like a pick and pop. Yeah. But it was just like. They it was didn't confusing do it. And how their play sets were set up. Because I felt like a lot of them were broken plays. Not because of Golden State's effective defense. But because it was just like. 
oh, should I take the ball right here or not, or no? Like, yeah. it was so many times where, like, Kyrie got the ball, and he was just, he didn't even realize he was by himself, and he was like, oh, should I shoot? Oh, I'm going to shoot it. Bet. Yeah, exactly. I'm and taking it. because of the hesitation, you're, 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 those are valuable, like, milliseconds that you can be using to get to the basket, get fouled, and get buckets. Exactly. And that's, T-Man, in comparison, that's where Golden State is so good because... So good. The, their ball movement is amazing. And because of that, even if you feel like you by yourself, you can, oh my God, I hesitated. Let me kick the ball out. Yeah. Let me, I'll go from a good shot to a great shot. Yeah, definitely. So, so Dev, games three and four in Cleveland. Who you got? Oh, man. I think it's going I back. Do have Cle- I do have Cleveland in game three. Okay. Uh, I agree with you. I do yeah. think, I think it is. I, I do think it. it is going back to. I do think it is going back to um, uh, to Oakland. Game four is where I'm a bit shaky on. Like, me too. I, yeah, man. Yeah. Because I, I feel like I feel like um, it might. It, in order for Cleveland to get two, they're gonna have one. They're gonna have to have one of those. Um, back-to-back 40-point games from yeah. LeBron, just like how he did last year. Yeah, man. If it's not going to be that, if they can't win game four if all three of their guys don't show up. And that doesn't mean that all three of them have to score 20. Yeah, but, but they, they just got to gotta play aggressive. They have to be aggressive. I think, I mean, my heart is telling me a split 2-2. My head is telling me 3-1. But I'm going to go with my heart on this. And I'm rooting for LBJ. I'm rooting for Cleveland this year. <laughs> and I think he's going to take it home. And I think we're going to go back 2-2 two, two split. That's a three. Yeah, that's what I'm yeah. hoping for. 2-2 yeah. two, two split. Because so, above, me, above me rooting for LeBron, yeah. I just want this shit to be competitive. Yeah, exactly. That's all I was we just want. looking at something, man. I was looking at these notes that I had from last year. Mm-hmm. Every single one of those games were... Uh, Every single game from last year's finals was a double-digit win yeah. for the respective team that won on. Yeah, it was a blowout game. every every game. Every game every was falling into the like, same trend. I, even when even when Cleveland won, it, it wasn't entertaining to me. Yeah, we had the point of them coming back, but that's that's not entertaining. Definitely, it, it really isn't. Definitely. So yeah. I definitely. I, I'm 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 looking forward to something to be great, and I think that I agree more so. More so Tyron Lu and more so LeBron. Yeah. Their adjustment going back into Cleveland and the pressure will be on LeBron. Of course. This isn't like LeBron going back home to Miami. Of course. No, this this is a much taller um, task. We know that. We And it, it seems since he's been back in Cleveland, he's always played better. Yeah. When he comes back. Like that 2015 finals was amazing yeah, for him definitely individually because you can see like every time he played in Cleveland he was just going hard just super aggressive of course if, if, if that LeBron was playing today this series would be tied 1-1 I believe yeah of course of course well speaking of LBJ Dev as we know we get into heated Twitter debates when above, oh, yeah. when above the rim comes out every Tuesday <laughs> so last last episode I had my man Chet O'Hara, my man Jarvin, I had Dama on, and I brought up the question, who's higher on the food chain? Kobe Bean Bryant or the King? And this started a firestorm last week. For the whole week, we've still been arguing over this, so Dev has been a big LBJ supporter. Shout out to everybody in the group, Baylor, uh, according to sources, the Brothers Lehman, Hoopla Show, Blue Collar Sports, Chris, big shout out to everybody on there. People Talk Daily, Showtime, shout out to everybody. But man, these debates get heated. So, Dev, I want to ask you, who do you think is high in the food chain right now? Better player, high on your list of greats, LeBron James or Kobe Bryant? In the long history, Mm -hmm. Justin, of the NBA. Yeah. There have been rare players to be able to do everything on the floor. Michael Jordan, if Michael Jordan would have been, I always say this to people, if MJ would have been a point guard, but he was still that size, he would be even greater Mm -hmm. than what he is already is right now. And that's really great. Mm -hmm. But Michael did all of that while he wasn't even the primary ball handler in Phil Jackson's offenses. With that said, 
Magic Johnson and LeBron James are some of the most rare athletes that have ever walked the face of this earth. Rarest of roses. Rarest of roses. And LeBron James, I'm almost positive, he became the all-time playoff scoring leader. Yeah, Um, he did, yeah. He passed MJ. That's right. Yeah. So, now people will say all he plays in the week east. That's okay. That's all right. Mm-hmm. There's been a lot of guys that played in Week Eastern Conference, but they didn't do what LeBron James did. Mm-hmm. That's to me that excuse is terrible. Okay. So just straight to the point, LeBron is better than Kobe. Okay. And Tell me why, so, Dan. Tell me why. <laughs> there are so many stats that I could go into because I love my stats. And you're a stat guy. <laughs> it's, it's not just about like I like to look beyond the basic stat of points, points per game assists per game and rebounds per game. I yes. love looking at the deeper stats like a player efficiency rating, yeah. uh, an effective field goal percentage. Mm-hmm. Um, LeBron James in history, uh, I think right now he is, I want to say he's third. He's third all time in NBA playoffs uh, assists. So that means that he passed up Hall of Famer, Jason Kidd, Larry Bird, Steve Nash, Scottie Pippen, Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan, Isaiah Thomas. Mm. These are some of the best passers in NBA history. But and that, he's only behind mm-hmm. he's only behind John Stockton and Magic Johnson. Yeah. But Dev, let you me know, ask you this. Let me ask you this right here. What do you say to the naysayers that say LeBron James doesn't have the killer instinct that Kobe have Kobe has? That's the argument that they usually use against you. The Kobe has five rings. LBJ has melted in the finals. What do you say to naysayers like that? I, I, I say to them, you name me three memorable NBA Finals and Conference Finals moments from Kobe Bryant. And I'll wait. And Ooh. I have this great quote this that my dad used to tell us when we were kids. My dad's an Army Ranger. I was in, I was in the Navy. Mm-hmm. It's a great military quote. Wait stands for why am I talking. Okay. So I'll wait. <laughs> I'll wait for somebody to tell me. If you go to Jordan, you could go down the list of memorable playoff moments from the shot over Elo, the shot over Byron Russell, even the game, even a game one uh, three-point winner against the Jazz in the 97 finals. You got LeBron, his ultimate individual by himself comeback against the Detroit Pistons to end their essentially finals run where they were just dominating the Eastern Conference. Yeah. You have him <laughs> going against the Boston Celtics. When everybody thought he was going to fold and quit, he put up one of the most competitive playoff basketball listen, games against Paul Pierce. L- listen, LeBron James has upped his stock to me going into that series. I think that was 2010, if I'm not mistaken. That game six, when he was down 3-2, and he came into Boston, got 45-15-5 and five or 8 or something like that, and he dominated from tip. That, to me... From the tip. That... That, to me, that game cemented LeBron's legacy for me. I feel like that game was his total coming out party. I think he came of age at that point, and I think that was great for his career. But to me, if I'm a GM, I just think LeBron James it was a better overall player. I think he was a better overall talent. Even though Kobe may have better things that he brings to the table, as in such as Killer Instinct, uh, the aggressiveness, that the mama mentality, as they call it, that the mentality being, and not maybe not Wilson. See, the thing with Kobe is, I feel like I love people love rating him higher because they say he was the leader of his team. The way he took over a game, they feel like is higher or more important than LeBron James's approach to the game, which is passing it towards the end of the game. LeBron James will make the right play. Kobe might not always take the right shot. And to me, if I'm a GM and I have a choice of prime Kobe and prime LeBron, I'm taking prime LeBron. I love LeBron's approach. See, and that's where and that's where people get get it misconstrued. They're going to say that, oh, Kobe took the shot because he wants to be a leader. He wants to win for his team. Now, let's change the verbiage. Kobe makes or misses the shot because he wants to be a leader for his team. Yeah. LeBron makes the right decision because he wants to be a leader in the general of his team. There's a difference. I'd rather have somebody make the right decision on the court than try to win a game with just pure selfishness is yeah. essentially what it is. Yeah. Kobe Bryant, and I, I, I love I love bringing up to the naysayers 
you know, who will try to tell me, oh, like, oh, he has killer instincts. You know, Kobe <laughs> doesn't, you know, Kobe don't shell up in the final seconds. Last 24 seconds and a shot tie to take the lead of a playoff game or a finals game. Mm-hmm. Kobe is 7 for 28. LeBron is 9 for 21. Ooh. So for people that don't know math, that's 40 percent. Or I think it's 42 percent for uh, LeBron and 25 percent for Kobe. Oh, but Kobe's more clutch than LeBron James. I'm not here. <laughs> now, people will try to say, you know, you only you miss all the shots that you don't take. That's nice. LeBron can kick the ball out to somebody low, and it'll be as I think, like to call it an efficient, an efficient assist per game. Mm-hmm. So that means you're passing the ball to somebody who more than likely is going to take a high percentage shot. So somebody that's driving to the lane in the low part of the post, wide open, that's a good pass. That's an efficient, efficient assist. Yeah. But Dev, I'm not hearing it. Yeah, Dev, let me ask you this. Do you think at times LeBron may shy away from that last second shot? Do you think he's fortunate to have a Kyrie on his team? Do you think sometimes he doesn't do think, want it? I do think that sometimes LeBron, and this is me being straight up, I do think LeBron at times can be very timid in a sense of overthinking a final play. Yes, I think he's I think he's he, worried he trust, a lot. He trusts yeah. his teammate, he trusts his teammates so much. But at the same time, he knows he has the ability to go to the lane. And I think, you know, excuse me, people will try to say to LeBron, well, I think LeBron's people will try to say that he don't watch ESPN, he doesn't watch Twitter, he doesn't worry about what people think about him. Nah, he's paying attention. He's paying attention. LeBron paying attention to everything. And and I think that LeBron would just hate it. Because one thing that LeBron always gets is he doesn't get called for stuff. LeBron would hate it if he went to the basket. And got fouled and took free throws to end the game. Yes. He would absolutely hate but that. But I feel like that's LeBron James's Achilles heel, his free throw shooting. I think he's nervous to go to the line towards the end of the game. I think that's what shies exactly. him away from driving to the basket. That's it, yeah. Yeah. And you know who said Absolutely, that's Skip you. Bayless. Skip Bayless says that a lot about LeBron. So I actually have to give him credit for that because he always says that LeBron never goes to the basket, never goes to the basket. When the shot clock is down, it's toward the end of the game to either as a game tying shot or a go-ahead bucket. LeBron does sometimes he gets shot away. So, I mean, LeBron, you're 32 now. I feel like, LeBron, what do you have to lose? You might as well just take it to the cup. If you miss the free throws, you miss the free throws. At least you you put the onus on the referees to make that call, I feel like. I feel like he should just do that no matter what. So, sometimes he has to get timid. And I just think he is a little fortunate that Kyrie's on his team right now. He has a killer on his squad with him. But... We'll see. I think LeBron still has to come up in the clutch in this finals, though. He has to. He has to. Yeah. And he has to. And if not, he has to have the aggressiveness to show that he's doing it. That's why I don't think that um, his legacy, at least I'm not a hater, so I wouldn't think that. (laughs) I don't think his legacy was tarnished too much uh, after the 2015 finals because he absolutely dogged out. Statistically, that is still one of the greatest NBA finals by a player of all time. Yeah. Period. Yeah. I mean, and people would try to say, well, you know, like the people like me that love stats, they love efficiency. You can, Even if you try to present the argument to say, well, he took so many shots and his field goal percentage didn't match it, his true shooting percentage didn't yeah. match it. He was, he was the one, two, and three option because Kyrie got hurt. And Kevin Love got his shoulder yanked out by Kelly Olynyk. Yeah. So he had to be everything for his team. Because before then, leading up to the finals, Vegas had the Warriors and Cleveland neck and neck. They mm-hmm. could never pick a favorite. Yeah. That's... And, and see, that's where I always feel like another part of like the LeBron versus Kobe comparison is that LeBron, like right now, you cannot count the Cavaliers out. Why? Because they got LeBron. Of course. LeBron is that great. That great. Now, when I won, did they have a three-one lead? Yeah, they had a three-one lead on when Boston had a three-one lead on yeah, they did. LA in that first championship. You could you couldn't say that. You're like, Kobe good, but you know Boston got this one. Yeah, Boston got this one because they, they were just that good. And Kobe was just up and down, up and down on his free throw percentage, on you know enigmatic shot, just nonstop. You know. Kobe fans ignore he has Shaq averaging more points per game, more rebounds per game, more blocks per game in the finals from 2000 to 2002 than Wade and Bosch combined from 2011 to 2014 finals. Of course. Definitely. I don't want to hear it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to hear I don't want to hear shit else. 
about no Kobe, LeBron. Talk LeBron about so it. <laughs> LeBron so good that you never heard ESPN compare him to Kobe. You want to know why? Because they knew he was better than him. That's why they jumped over Kobe and compared him straight to Mike. Straight Even up. though I think that's a dumbass comparison. Yeah. But they, ESPN was like, no, nah, that's okay. Yeah. We don't course. need to compare him to Kobe. Yeah, you know ESPN <laughs> loves to kill their narratives, man, for real. But my man, Dev. <laughs> Dev. Straight from the no, shot. Go on, bro. Yeah, Dev. <laughs> I got the trunk right here. <laughs> my man. <laughs> You know what time it is. It's now time for the crossover. Not a segment. game. Not a game. Not a game. Oh, shit, here we go. We talking about practice. The most dangerous segment in podcast and the crossover segment. So for my new <laughs> listeners, I'll be throwing out player comparisons. My guest acts as a GM and they tell me who they will take out of the two in their prime. Damn. <laughs> I got two goodies for you. Who would you take out of the two in their primes? First up, got Penny Hardaway, Prime Penny, or Kyrie Irving, Killer Kyrie. And I can only take one out of the two? Yeah, career stats. I'm going to give you these first. Career stats. Penny Hardaway, career. 15 points per game, four rebounds, five assists, one steal, 45% from the floor, four-time All-Star, two-time All-NBA. First team. Kyrie, 21 points per game, three rebounds, five assists, one steal, 45% from the floor, one-time champ, also a four-time All-Star, one-time Rookie of the Year. Dev, you got Kyrie or you got Penny Penny Hardaway in their prime? GM Dev. Want me to go first? I, I think I I think I made my decision. Okay, let me hear it. Yeah, it's it's gonna be Penny. Oh, you go with Penny. Tell me yeah. why. I I was living in Florida when they went to the finals, man. And uh, Penny. Ooh, ooh. The Kobe haters. The, I mean, the Kobe stands. They gonna hate me for this. <laughs> Penny didn't need Shaq. Penny didn't need Shaq to be great. Oh. Penny was that good. Oh, so wait. So you think Kobe needed Shaq and Penny didn't need Shaq? Oh, absolutely. Oh. Absolutely. Especially early in his career, that's Kobe so needed Shaq more than ever. God bless and good luck. That's why, there was a, that's why in the triangle, mm. the triangle was never set up to complement a guard. It was set up to complement where oh, the, the star player was. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Shaq, text winner changes to Shaq. Kobe, give yeah. it to him. So do you, you... Everybody get the hell out the way. So you know how so much Penny, Penny was a killer. Penny, Penny, Penny was amazing. How, how tall was he? He was 6'7", six, 6'7", seven, six, seven, or 6'6"? Six, six? I think he was 6'7". Six, 6'7", seven. Six, seven, right? Was, I, I, I know I heard somewhere before that he was as big as Mike. As Mike? I yeah, because yeah, so. Mike was 6'6", six, six, if I'm yeah, not mistaken. Six, seven. Yeah, because yeah, he was 6'7". Yeah, I got Mike right was, here. All right, cool. So, Penny's 6'7", six, 6'7", seven, six, seven point guard with th- that ball control, that handle, that skill, that court vision, and the ability to finish as he did. And he had a lovely post-up game, too. I mean, okay, so what would you say right now? Who's a better scorer, right? Kyrie Irving or Penny Hardaway? Better scorer. Um, in the early part. Early Penny, Magic Penny. Man, it's hard for me to try hey, to compare uh, right now because Kyrie doesn't know who the hell he is in the finals right now. Yeah. He didn't lost all. Take, it's like a monster. Take his this. Ability. <laughs> take this finals aside. You know when Kyrie's at his best. You a GM right now. I'm still picking Penny over Kyrie, but man, I think Kyrie can ultimately become one of the all-time greats. I think he's that skilled offensively. He's one of the best finishers we've ever seen from the point guard position. But Kobe, I mean, excuse me, but Penny was no slouch of a finisher because he was 6'7", and he had Shaq with him, so he had the ability to get to the lane. But I'm still taking Penny as well, so I think, Dev, we agree on that one. I think we both take yeah. Penny. And, and, and Penny, even though he, <clears throat> he he didn't take as many shots, but his shots were efficient. Yes. A, a wonderful shooting percentage. I want to say it was, I got it, basketball reference never fails. 51%, 51% the year that they went to the final. Yeah. Both years. I'm sorry, 94 to 95 and 95 to 96. He mm-hmm. shot 51% from the field. Come on. And people were trying to say, well, he wasn't nothing when Shaq left. That's because he got injured. <laughs> yeah. He, he was still a dog. And they were going to build their franchise around Penny. Of course. They were. Great passer. Man. And he still 
He was amazing at creating separation and creating his own shot. Oh, yeah, amazing. He didn't need a pick. That. He didn't need anybody to chip him. Amazing. Amazing at that. Penny, Penny was, man, I'm I'm so sad. Penny never got to uh, fulfill his potential. Penny was all-time great, man. Penny was big time. So, Dev, so let me go Huge. to the next up. Who would you take out of the two in their primes? GM Dev, you taking a prime Vince Carter? Are you taking a prime Paul George, PG-13? Oh, Career oh, stats. Man. <laughs> Career stats. VC, half man, half amazing. 18 a game, four and a half rebounds, three assists, one steal, 43% from the floor, eight-time All-Star, one-time Rookie of the Year. PG-13, 18 a game, six rebounds, three assists, one steal, 43% from the floor, four-time All-Star, one time most improved. Dev, who you got? Prime VC or Prime PG? Vince Carter. VC? Vince Carter. I, till this day, I believe Vince, uh, the NBA, I'm telling you right now, I believe the NBA cheated Murray Allen and Vince Carter out of going to the finals in 2001. <laughs> <laughs> that season alone, I was just like, oh, this motherfucker can play. Oh, man. <laughs> he ain't just here for the dunks. Listen. Um, before... I, I want to say he got injured mm-hmm. in 2002. Yeah, mm-hmm. he was. He got injured, but those years leading up, he was amazing. Oh yeah, he was scoring well those, above those early t- Yeah, those early Toronto so years. The ball, yeah. He was a solid defender. I don't want to, yeah. you know, go too far and say solid. that he, you know, you know, yeah, he was great. But he was a he was an effective he was solid, defender. Yeah, he was a solid defender. But his offensive game made up for his defensive efficiencies. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was and, that good. and he was an effective three-point shooter. Yeah, oh, that's a oh, lot of people that he, he's always been underrated. He was a, a really good three-point shooter. He was a great. And, and once he got to the rim, if he get fouled, he was gonna bang it. He yes. wasn't gonna go up there, stop, and try to go for the acrobatics. He was yeah. gonna bang it. Exactly. I agree. Um, yeah. I still think maybe if you were to ask me that question a year from now, maybe two years from now, I might have a different answer because Paul George is still trying to come back to his old form. Listen, I, um, I, I thank you, Dev, for bringing it up. You know why? Because I thought you was going to kill me on this, and I know I think Above the Rim listeners will kill me on this, but I got Paul George. If I'm a GM, talent-wise, I think it is that I'm, picking Paul, I'm picking Paul George. I'm going to tell you right now. I know you got VC, Dev, but I'm picking Paul George. I think Paul George is an excellent two-way player. People kill me all the time. I'm a big... I'm going to just disclaimer for you. I'm a big Paul George fan. I think Paul George is one of the best small forwards in the game. I think he's oh, yeah. third or fourth. I mean, that's not that doesn't sound that great, but I think he's... It's only because, uh, excuse me, LeBron and Kevin Durant is on another level. But I think PG is right there. I think this two-way ability is a, his ability to take over a game as well. I know Vince Carter was great and his ability to take over a game offensively. But I think the fact that Paul George is a two-way player, I think takes him over the top for me. I think Paul George, in the right situation, will be a stud, all-team, all-NBA player. I think Paul George has that much talent, that much skill. If you remember, a couple years ago, he going toe-to-toe. People love forgetting that conference finals with LeBron. Toe-to-toe. Mm-hmm. He was giving him buckets. So yeah, he was I, giving him the biz. The biz. The biz, and I and I think he was great as being a leader. I think his time his time is up in Indiana, so I think he needs to go somewhere else. Maybe the Lakers, maybe the Clippers, maybe the Celtics. Who knows? And I think he needs a better situation. I think he could flourish. But if I'm a GM, and I'm just taking talent wise, Paul George or Vince Carter, even though Vince Carter might be a little bit better offensively than Paul George, I'm taking Paul George if I'm a GM. I love the two way ability. I always give much respect to two way players. I'm big time. You know what? Yeah, yeah. I, I just think it is that close between the two of them. I do want to see two more years of him and yeah. him with a different environment. True, true, true. I definitely want to see him. The jury's still out on PG. Because Paul George, man, let me tell you something. I, I will, I will quit a fantasy draft in my 2K if I don't get Paul George. <laughs> <laughs> I'll try to get LeBron or Kawhi as my small forward. And I try to match it with Paul George as my two guard. Definitely. And just have weights all over the court. Because <laughs> he is amazing. Amazing. Man. And he's, I'm happy that you brought that up being a two-way player because 
he is so underrated when so it comes underrated. to being a great defender. So underrated. That that length. That's why, like, I LeBron is a great defender. He's not as great as someone like Kawhi, Tony Allen, but he is a solid defender in a sense of on the perimeter. Oh yeah, definitely. But like when I when I see him play against KD, it's just like I seen this somewhere before. Oh, conference finals against Paul George when yeah. he was giving him the work. Oh, he was giving him but, the work. If players that have length, oh man, they'll come straight at LeBron. Definitely. And either he's gonna foul him, and it's not because he's just trying to be a hack. He just can't. He can't guard it. Yeah. <laughs> Most definitely, man. I totally agree it's with tough. you, man. I totally agree. My man, Dev. I want to say thank you, my man. I appreciate you coming through above Absolutely. the rim. I appreciate you, man. This was a great conversation I just had with you, my man. <laughs> appreciate it, man. Seriously. Thank you for coming on. And Dev, um, tell the people, you also do the According to Sources podcast as well, right? Yeah, man, that's my main team. That's my home team. According to Sources is me, Drop, me, Rob, Dre. Um, uh, I like to call him the boss. Uh, <laughs> me, Rob, Dre, Christian, we be on there. Sometimes our guy Boris comes on, and uh, we represent everything Chicago, man. Everything Chicago. We get kind of sidetracked because we are naturally Chicagoans, and we like to talk shit. But, you know... Come check us out. Uh, according to sources on Twitter, according to sources on Facebook, um, I think we are the only uh, independent sports network to effectively piss off Jason Whitlock. I <laughs> Wait, he, he responded to y'all? <laughs> yeah, he, he responded to me personally. It was oh, about shit. a year ago. <laughs> yeah, he. Uh, it's one of the greatest stories ever told. If you listen to any of our podcasts, yeah. I always end off the show saying. Jason Whitlock, you suck. And um, uh, I, I, long story short, I said something to him on Twitter. He responded. He called me. Uh, he tried to belittle me, saying that I wouldn't respond back. And then we started talking. I talked shit naturally. <laughs> yeah, you, we know how three, you do. <laughs> yeah. So about three or four hours later, yeah. I log into Facebook in the middle of the night, probably like 2 or 3 a.m., have one sole notification. And we're not that big of a, you know, independent sports group. We only cover the, we cover like the Chicago Bears, yeah. things in Atlanta, yeah. things like that. And he was, must have been up late bored, probably eating as he usually does. And he <laughs> searched us on Facebook. He found us. He found my status of me sharing the picture of me going back and forth with him. And he can proceeded to comment on it. Oh, shit. <laughs> Damn. So that took a lot, that took a lot of work. Yeah, that is a lot a of work. a major sports network in the greatest sports country in the world and yet you tried to find us, our small little company. <laughs> so big up to Jason Whitlock. Still living, still cooning, whatever. <laughs> still cooning. <laughs> still cooning, man. So yeah, definitely big shots out to the Quarter to Sources podcast. Make sure y'all check them out. iTunes. Make sure you check Dev. What's your Twitter handle, my man? Absolutely. My Twitter is uh, Devin. Uh, at name is uh, Mr. Underscore High Yellow. That's uh, just like <laughs> I heard it. I am, in fact, the vice president of the Life Scanner Coalition. Please at me. Talk about it. Slander. <laughs> Talk so, about uh, it. <laughs> I got LeBron is better than Kobe stats for days. If you want this work, I got the gas. Let's Yo, do it. If you want this work, hit him up, man. <laughs> So, Dad, once again, I appreciate you coming on, my brothers. Always good times talking to you, my man. Appreciate you breaking down. Absolutely. Coming on above the rim, man. So, like I said before, subscribe, review, iTunes. Catch me on almightyballer.com-radio every Tuesday. Trackhouse Studios. That's Above the Rim, episode 18. And we out.